This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. All right, Mark, just I think we've got a plan. I love a good heist. That's right. We involve Mark the rest of the crew. We might just pull this off. All right. Now, um, I mean, all you guys got to do now is, like, you know, do all the prep stuff. There's a lot to do, though. It's going to take a lot of time in game. Yeah, but we don't need to detail it all. Yeah, exactly. You know what that means. It's time to do the thing. I love the thing. The thing! Well, when you have to show a lot of progress and action in a short time, then you have to do a... Montage! Montage! And a one, and a two, and when you have... We are a... not going to sing. It's a montage. I have a song and everything. No singing. You have a montage song? <laughs> maybe in the after show. Maybe maybe we'll hear in the after show. And with that, welcome to the 43rd episode of the Mr. Tremark Podcast. Tonight, we discuss using montages in your game, both narratively and mechanically. And along the way, we'll take your suggestions, examples, and questions live through the chat room for life. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. Good evening. Welcome. Let us slide on into the uh, into the foyer here as we do our temperature check. See how everybody's doing, Phil. We're so close to getting rid of of the temperature check. And then this Delta thing has come back and it's like, well, I guess we still need to talk about this. So... The temperature check remains for now. We were almost there, people. Yep. Almost there. So anyway, um, I am okay. Um, I am physically fine. A little tired. I'll talk about that. Um, I'll talk about that when we get into the one thing. And um, I'm emotionally like a little adrift right now. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much um, for the temperature check, but like, I'm, I've, I've got a therapy session tomorrow, and I'm like, phew, thank goodness. Like, I'll uh, I'll put it to good use. So uh, I'm okay. We'll talk a little bit more in the after show and stuff. Okay. Jer, how about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, in the middle of training right now, and uh, this is end of the last month, beginning of the first month, so busy at work. But we're all pretty good. Um, had a nice relaxing weekend. I'm hoping to get a day off one of these days and kind of relax, and then just kind of chill at home. So not bad. Nice. Bobo? Cool. I am physically um, dealing with a little bit of a reflux problem, which is annoying as hell. Um, And I think it's because of the meds, because of the infection that I got in my leg. But that's all mostly gone, and the meds are almost done, so things should be leveling out. Mentally, I'm starting to fray a little bit because um, I am um, slowly working my way into absolute chaos. Because my closing dates are coming up, and I'm still in the process of cleaning, purging, and packing. And then there's going to be moving things and buying stuff, furniture and things, and just controlled chaos. <laughs> Hopefully controlled, <laughs> but did chaos you call? Did you call my moving guys? I did not. I'm going to check with them tomorrow. Okay, you should I, call those guys. Yeah, like, I they, wanted to make sure that I had a fairly solid closing date before I said, hey, let's set something. Because I didn't want to be like, oh, all right, we're going to go here. 
And then the closing date gets bumped and I got to go back to them and go, hey, we need to move. Well, now we're all booked up for like I wanted to get it a little tighter before I called them. So, so yeah, that'll be a thing. Um, I had a flurry of stuff today while I was trying to do work. So I was just like, ah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. No, it's a lot. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I went the better part of a, I mean, I went the better part of a month every day. Yeah. Packing and putting like packing and moving stuff over here. Yeah. Like it was, um, it was a lot, man. Like yeah. I, I, I get it. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. And you don't, you, you don't have access to the other place yet. Like yet. I was packing some stuff. I was packing, unpacking, and just bringing the boxes back and reusing them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, though, much like you, I will have access to both places at the same time for at least a couple of weeks, probably three. Ish. I mean, you could do a lot of, you could do a lot of good. Yeah. Yes. So that is yeah. going to help things out tremendously. So. All right. When I moved, when I moved from Auburn, I didn't have that option. I had to move. Oh yeah, when you I got had it. to move out of the house. I had to buy or rent a storage unit, move everything out of the house, and then it was about four months before I, uh, maybe five months before I found some place to, to move in. Another, another four before I moved in. So yeah, that adds a whole other layer of complexity to the. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely does. All right. So that all being said, yeah, my one thing is the closings are coming. The closings are coming. It's it's like. <laughs> I have uh, ABC always be closing. Always be closing yes. exactly. I uh, my my house closing to sell is this coming Monday, so the next show we do that closing will be over. Um, and so then, we we should talk offline. We don't have yeah. to talk here. We should talk offline if you um, if you want a week or something um, like where we don't do the show so that like your big move week or whatever, or they're just after your move. Like you get some yeah. downtime. Like it helped that, when that I is did definitely going to be a, a conversation. It okay. looks like it's going to be like probably Labor Day week okay. is when I'm going to okay. be taking off of work. Um, okay. So that would probably be a good one to just take off. It's a holiday. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about, we'll it. talk about, yeah, we'll talk about it offline, yeah. but you should definitely like, yeah. definitely don't he man your way through. <laughs> yeah. Trust um, me. <laughs> If there's one thing Absolutely. I know, it's how not to He-Man. Uh, ask Jerry about all the Valheim I've been playing <laughs> instead yeah. of packing. <laughs> but it is what it is. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's my thing. I'm 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 using Valheim to keep myself uh, stable, but um, lots yeah. of stuff going on, and everything's ramping up now. Um, luckily, the project at work that has been lingering is—is is it going to happen all at the same time? Looks like it's going to be September before it really does anything. So I should be able to get through this move before work really starts to get intense. So that's me, Jerry. What's your one uh, thing? Uh, one thing this week, we got to play I Hunt this weekend. I've never played it before. And Phil hosted a, a, an off off week game of I Hunt with uh, Glenn and Chris and myself, um, which is uh, an amazing fate game. It takes all the things that are interesting about fate and adds a few other fun little topics in. And the game went really smooth. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I know was a late comer to the fate, to the uh, fate bandwagon. I'm really enjoying what I've seen with Dresden. And now with this one, um, the game was good. The character generation was fun. The, the rules worked well. And the, there's another game that the additional minor mechanics of the game play into the genre and create, uh, how do I put this? It's, it's, a, it's where the genre and the game seem to meld really well together. Yeah, the mechanics don't seem to get in the way of the game, and the and the additional mechanics um, allow you to easily mechanize a few things that just make the game more fun. Yeah, yeah. often yeah. call that um, often call that the mechani- the 
the mechanics are enforcing the genre. Yep. Thank you. That's turn the people. Perfect. All right. That's pretty so, Bob, I will fun. tell you really quick from the I Hunt game. The the two guys. So, Chris and Jerry's characters arrive right there from New Jersey, um, and they're like, "Yeah, we got this um, contract. We're hunting a werewolf. Apparently, he's like the trainer at a gym, and Glenn's like a CrossFit gym." And they're like, yeah, how did you know? And he's like, yeah, it's like Jersey werewolves love CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, we took care of that, didn't we? No, remember the um, the alpha got away. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of interesting things that were involved, but just uh, a lot of fun. Um, it was good. It was, yeah, a, it, was very good. it was a good one off session, which actually inspires next week's show topic, which is going to be. Um, having guests in your ongoing game. So we're going to talk go. about that next week. Plus now Glenn has two more contacts, three more contacts, actually. So I guess I'm up next, right? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm up. Mine is less uh, awesome. Uh, my one thing is I got recalled back to the office. And blah is, in fact, my exact words were when I saw the email, I looked at it, I read it, and I was like, mediocre. <laughs> like, just... So I went back Monday um, and yep, everything about the office uh, sucks, like compared to working from home. Um, I, I managed to put my desk back together and I got everything cleaned up and cabled and I um, got like back to work kind of stuff. But like, I hate my office chair. Um, I hate the um, I hate the fact that I can't like switch up. Like here, if I'm working and um, here if I'm working and like and I get like a, like my back gets a little sore from sitting in the chair, like I'll just get up and like stretch out on like the day bed behind me or on my bed and just like, you know, take out my phone, open up Outlook and like, you know, clear mail or whatever. Like there's none of that. Um, and then on top of it, right, like Delta hasn't gone away. And yep. our sister school, the University of Buffalo, just reissued um masks for all people indoors uh right now we're on the um you only have to mask if you're not vaccinated you're fine like if you're vaccinated you can go without but like if i have to mask and sit at my desk for eight hours like i do not see any point about why i need to be in the office like i'm uh i'm not um i'm not down with this in any way shape or form like i was actually a little depressed today coming out of work because i was like this sucks. And if I didn't have the benefits I have for that job, I honestly would be like working on a resume today. Like I would just be like, I got a project management, like I got to do project management shit from home. Like this sucks. So yeah. it sucks. And hopefully this Delta thing will just force us all back out of the office. That's what I'm hoping at this point, but whatever it's stupid. And I'm there because I need to be there. Cause not even my bosses wanted to go back. Their bosses made everybody go back. So I'm not, I can't even be mad at anyone in the office. We're all just like annoyed. Yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> moving on to our announcements. We have two. I'll do the first one um, tonight, which is August 3rd. Tonight is our final episode of our Voyager watch party. Uh, we wrap up the Voyager TV series with the two part end game episode. Um, at this point, uh, so if you're listening to this and it dropped a week later, you cannot join us. If you're on the chat tonight and you want to join us for, um, the watch party, look mm -hmm. in the forum, look in the Slack room and whatever, where the normal places where we put our links. Um, 
I'm, I'm excited, right? Like throughout the pandemic, we went through TNG, we went through DS9, we've gone through Voyager. Um, we took some people who knew nothing about Star Trek and uh, we have made them into Trekkies. Like I'm very, like, I'm very happy that like we have like commissioned a new group of Trekkies. Yep. Um, so that's very cool. At this point, we do not have any immediate plans for a future watch party. Um, I, there, people have asked if I would be willing to do the uh, Enterprise watch party at some point in the future, maybe, but I, I Enterprise is a, uh, Enterprise is tough because it's a hard one. It's a hard one because it's hard to skip around the third season. <clears throat> and you either, you either, and, and honestly, it has the worst ending of a Star Trek series ever. Um, it is brutal. Um, I, I, there's just not enough. I don't know if there's enough to say, like, I don't know if there's enough to make it worth it. Um, I know that you have been looking at the idea of doing a TOS, which yeah. I actually think would be really cool because a curated list of TOS episodes, um, could actually be a lot of, um, not only fun, but there's actually some really good TOS episodes yep. that, um, that people might not be aware of. You just, you know, have to get used to the fact it was shot in the sixties. Yeah. If, Short if of we, that. If we do TOS, we got to do Rathacon. Oh yeah, we could do there. TOS and then watch Rathacon on a, on a on a show night as well. Like that yeah, would be exactly. fine. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. Rathacon is like that's my all time favorite Star Trek movie. So we will. And we it's will probably ponder one of my top another five party. What's that? We will ponder another watch party somewhere down the road, mm-hmm. but we're going to take a break after Voyager, and we'll we'll circle back at some point. I, I, also, it'd be hard to do like a disco watch party because you just got to watch the whole fucking thing. Yes, actually, I mean, yeah, like the disco watch party is watch disco. Yeah, actually, if we're gonna do a, if the other thing we can do, some if we just want to do a, a one-off someday, we can do Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because Galaxy Quest plays with a lot of the tropes. Yeah. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. that's my announcement, Bob. What's your announcement? Announcement number two: the forum contest is finally over. <laughs> we we let it get away from us. We resurrected it. We finished it off. We have two winners. We had announced that we were going to give away a bag Thulu dice bag from Wayward Masquerade and a She's a Super Geek bag crafted by our queen herself, Senda. The winners are, and we're going to announce them here, and then we're going to reach out to them through the forums um, to to let them know that they've won there and uh, and arrange for uh, fulfillment. The winner of the bag Thulu dice bag is our forum member, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, congratulations. Uh, As I said, we'll reach out to you through the forums. And the winner of the She's a Super Geek Bag, the old school DM himself, Randy Farmer. Hey! Congratulations to both. And again, we'll reach out to you and and get get the ball rolling on how we're going to fulfill that for you. All right. That is the contest fulfilled. (laughs) Next time we have a contest, we'll have more control over it. (laughs) <laughs> next time we have a contest we'll slap an end date on that thing that's that like, and we you know, won't you know lose it in a pandemic i hope you know? <laughs> well you know i think i i think you know we get some special dispensation yeah i think that. we get a little little bump for that though yeah okay so uh that brings us to the feature segment which tonight is actually a garage for the first time in a while so i think i have the right code access granted there we go it's been a while sometimes you there forget. we go very What's my nice. password? One, two, three, four. Ah, oh, now I got to change my code again. <laughs> change the combinations of my luggage. <laughs> All right. So uh, tonight, 
uh, we kind of came to this the the way that we come to a lot of our topics, which is our kind of throw the spaghetti at the wall method. And sometimes we get some really interesting results. And luckily, we all agreed on one of my favorite tropes, which is the montage. So tonight we're going to look at montage. And even though we're not sure if it's going to be a garage or a workshop, ultimately it's going to end up being a garage. And we're going to look at montages from the mechanical perspective. But throughout the episode, we'll also talk about narrative ones as well. In order to get started, we need to talk about what a montage is and how it works mechanically. So let me do this for Phil here, because we love to do this. Behold! are in the presence of Definition Panda. Yeah, so this is like kind of our definitions, right? For the garage segment, we always talk about like how they work. Um, and I do have to kind of set up a, a little bit of a definition to get us started, right? So we do need to talk about the word montage, um, which is defined as the process or technique of selecting, editing, and, piece, and piecing together separate sections of film to form a continuous whole which doesn't really sound like much. So it's better probably just to go by example. Uh, montages are like completely um, ubiquitous in movies. They appear all over the place. Um, and without a doubt, you have seen one in any number of places. Jerry, roll off a, a couple of them. Right, well, um, first of all, we have hackers where the kids get are preparing to hack the Ellison Gibson at the end. Um, in any of the Fast and Furious movies, you get them prepping their cars for the big finale. Um, in Dirty Dancing, there's a montage of the whole crew preparing for the big performance. And, of course, in Predator, you've got uh, Dutch preparing for the final confrontation with the Predator by, you know, making traps and hauling up the big rock and covering himself with gooey mud and all that stuff. So those are all different montages during a long period of time condensed down. Yeah, I mean, we could we could sit around for another like 10 minutes and name other movies yeah. of montages. You've seen montages, people. You know what they are. OK, mm -hmm. in movies, as we will see in role playing games, the montage is often used to show preparation for something. Um, there are we'll talk about a couple different variants in a, in a second. Montages can be performed by one person um, who is like doing different activities. Right. We see the montage of the same person, but they're, you know, prepping this, then they're prepping that, then they're prepping this. Um, or we can see a group of people each doing their own thing and the combination of all the things they're doing forms the montage. And there are, um, there are three, I'm not going to say they're the only three, but there are three common montage structures, especially when we talk about um, movies and gaming. Uh, the first one I like to call is the skill prep, right? Skill slash prep. This montage is where the goal of the montage is something like a heist or a job. And the montage is like the preparation, right? So it could be like a heist, a job. It could be like a fight or another kind of conflict, right? In Dirty Dancing, the, um, the big performance at the talent show is the, like the conflict, so to speak. So the skill prep is like preparation, um, to get a job done. Although now that I say that with Dirty Dancing, the Dirty Dancing one actually belongs in the second category, which is the training prep. This is the montage where the goal is for the character to train as a way to learn something new, right? We use the training montage to compress a whole bunch of learning into something that we can kind of visibly see, right? Um, so that's a um, for sure. That's a thing. The training, the training montage. There's also a narrative montage, right? This is uh, a montage that's kind of used to move the narration of of a game along um, by each having uh, each like 
by each character um, contributing a small snippet of their actions. Uh, and then Av- Avi, who's in our chat room, just talked about uh, montages for overland travel. Um, mm-hmm. Travel montage might be another form, a fourth form um, of montage mm-hmm. that one could use. In fact, we're actually going to name a game uh, in our list of games in a moment that actually does use a travel montage. So thanks, Avi. Mm-hmm. Yay. <clears throat> Since RPGs often work to emulate movies, there must be some games that have montages that perform mechanical purposes. So, as we just said, Jerry, run us through some of those games. All right. Well, first of all, we're going to be worried about coming up with enough examples. But after just a few seconds of thinking about it, we came up with a huge list of examples. So, Bill, take, give us our first one. Yeah. Turns out this was easier than I thought. Um, the first one I'm going to go with is one of my favorites. Um, although some people will grumble, but, you know, shut up. Um, is the, the D&D 4E skill challenge. Yep. Is absolutely a form of montage. Uh, it is a skill prep montage. Its purpose is to achieve something that requires uh, more than one skill check, um, but to condense it into like one activity rather than like playing out like turn to turn um, all the actions. Like, for instance, escaping from a city jail. Like you could role play that all out. Or if the more important thing is to do something after being in jail, you can crush this thing down to a skill challenge and be like, cool, let's just do a skill challenge about how you get out of this jail. Um, The mechanics for it, I'm not going to go into super deep depth, but each person in the group kind of determines the skill they want to contribute to the challenge. The DM kind of makes sure that the skill lines up with what you're doing. Everybody makes a check. The goal is to get a certain number of successes before getting a certain number of failures. So as long as you get enough successes over the threshold, your action is successful. The skill check is successful. Um, if you don't, then you, you fail. You know, why 4E might not have been everybody's favorite edition. That was an excellent mechanic that I think has been adapted and used in a lot of other game systems and is one of the easiest to add to your game if you don't have one. Yeah, yeah like, I, I, I 100%, 100% agree that in terms of um, in terms of montage things to rip off, it is that format is the easiest thing to rip off. And I will also say that while we all in the moment, so my feelings about 4E are the same feelings I had about Voyager. When I first played it, I had some very strong feelings about it. But now that time's passed, I can look back on it and recognize there was a lot of stuff in 4E that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jerry, pick, right. pick another game. All right. And I might need a little bit of help from the, uh, from the, the chat room on this. Our Traveling Home. Um, this is a narrative uh, montage, and the purpose is generally to fix or upgrade the home as we go. And the mechanics of it are going to be a mini game scene. Um, there's a series of task prompts that each player picks from to describe a moment in the montage. And that gives you an overall level of success determined by the cumulative successes of the combined pieces as you go. So the more success you have and how they uh, accumulate gives you more of a story to go on. Sweet. Cool. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Next up, Damn the Man, Save the Music, the epilogue. And I think actually the opening does the same thing. It is a narrative montage. Um, In the epilogue, each character has two brief scenes to kind of wrap up their stories. You just kind of describe them in a narrative fashion. Um, There's no real hard mechanics for this. You don't make roles or anything. But the uh, procedure of the game, right? So the the procedure that, that how you play the game dictates that you have two brief scenes and to kind of put them together in this montage. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one is Hong Kong Action Theater. And this is a training montage. And the purpose is to unlock a special move that you get to use on the bad guys. 
And the mechanics of this is the players are going to narrate the montage. Um, and that narration will determine how they access the move based on the story they tell and how they talk about uh, getting the ability and, and uh, overcoming the training. I mean, it's so for, for Hong Kong Action Theater, it is so unbelievably on genre to require the uh, the training montage to, you know, uh, get your cool, you know, your cool power. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about fate. Um, fate has a montage mechanic, which is the challenge. Um, it is a skill prep, um, montage. It is, uh, its purpose is when you have a goal that requires a combination of several skill checks that you want to kind of pack them all together. And that like all the skill checks build on each other. Mm -hmm. They give a really good example in the book of like, uh, trying to stop zombies from breaking into an inn and they give you like three um, things that the characters have to do to make sure that the zombies don't get into the inn, if my memory serves correctly from the original fate rules. But anyway, the mechanics are pretty easy. Um, you you define three skills, you set the difficulties, everybody makes skill checks, and then the GM kind of interprets the successes, the failures, and any failures that had, or any successes that had costs to kind of come up with the final outcome. Yep. The next one we're going to talk about is a game called Love and Justice. And in Love and Justice, we have the closing of the episode. Um, this is a narrative uh, montage. And the whole purpose of Love and Justice, uh, the montage, is to determine how the end of the episode goes. Is it a high note or low note? Um, and that's determined by the dice that you've accumulated while playing the game. Every time you do a task, you end up uh, you can end up accumulating dice. And low dice, which are one to three, end up being uh, unexpected or negative consequences. And the high dice are going to be positive outcomes. And you're going to combine them. So you might have a couple of high points and a couple of low points or unexpected points. Um, and all of that will give you uh, how the end of the episode uh, goes. Whether or not people end up in kind of a happy note or in a cliffhanger or in some situation where mm -hmm. they accomplished a goal but something else uh, occurred. Like we stopped the bad guy but they kidnapped our cat. That sort of thing. Um, it's a really easy way to do a nice narrative ending that kind of combines all the stuff that happened in the game into one story. Uh, absolutely. Um, let's see. Next up, um, uh, Feng Shui. The training montage mm -hmm. is a um, is a uh, training montage uh, where you learn a new skill. So in the game, if you want to learn a new skill, you have to um, first you have to have like whatever the experience point currency is to pay for it. But then you have to describe to the GM a montage of how you are learning that new skill, mm -hmm. um, which I think is, you know, again, pretty awesome. The next one is for the Dungeon World uh, pack called Perilous Journeys. And this montage is a travel montage. We talked about looking at it earlier. Um, and this is a move that we use when traveling from one location to the other. And the mechanic of this is that this move requires three different characters to take on roles um, for things like scouting and prepping and camping and so on. And each makes their own role. And then the outcomes give you a montage that determines how the journey goes. Not only did, did we go from point A to point B, but how long did it take? Did we suffer any mishaps? And the characters could briefly narrate um, that scene as to, you know, why did our why did our camping rolls fail? You know, what happened? Did we get a bad wind or did, you know, bears run through and steal all our food or whatever? Um, it gives a chance for some role playing tied into the mechanics of going from point A to point B. Yep. Um, if we're talking about Perilous Journey, I have to then talk about Hydro Hackers because the boost some water move is actually based on Perilous Journey. Mm -hmm. um, it is a skill prep um, 
montage, its purpose is it is a move when the group needs to get a few units of water. Not like enough to keep your neighborhood going, but like maybe you needed to cut a side deal and you need like four or five units of water to make a deal with, you know, a gang or something. Then um, you would use boost some water. Very much structured like Perilous <clears throat> Journey. There's three um, individuals, like somebody who... Um, Somebody who like I, I forget what it is. Somebody who cases the place. Somebody who does the job, and somebody who's lookout. And they they have fancier names than that. When I wrote it, I was you know feeling pretty feeling pretty froggy. But that's essentially what it is. And each person makes a role, and then based on the outcome of those roles, the GM kind of like helps determine how much water you boost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works very similar to Perilous Journey. Uh, and again, I can you know without a doubt tell you it is one hundred percent one hundred percent inspired by perilous journey jerry finishes out one more all right and the one that kind of got me and started with a lot of these things was uh the savage worlds in lankmar the source book there's a heist mechanic that's another skill prep uh i kind of combines a few of the ones above uh the purpose is to prepare for a heist or a job um and the way it works in mechanic is each player narrates one brief action or encounter and then makes a dice roll based on that skill to generate bennies that will be used during the heist that you can use as flashback mechanics or re-rolls or something else, you know, where we, we happen to know this guard is viable or whatever. But it doesn't just show up the players get to do this, um, but how they do it starts out with a montage. And um, it doesn't just give them some mechanical advantage, but also eliminates the four and a half hours of players arguing over how hmm. to plan the heist itself. So move things along. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's an excellent list of examples. Um, obviously, we we got way more than we originally thought, and we left out a bunch because you know we we don't have room to do all of them. Obviously, uh, of you mentioned the uh, love letters from Apocalypse World, um, so there's there's probably a dozen more that we could have thrown on the list oh, if we really. sat down and uh, had really done it. But um, but now that we've seen some of the games that use them, we can take the basic mechanism apart and see how it works. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, you know I love this part, right? So. Uh, let's talk about the montage, how it actually works in game, right? For our discussion, we're just going to focus on the skill prep montage. The structure is not very different for other ones, but I think this is this one is really easy to kind of latch on to. So the structure of the skill prep montage goes like this. Uh, first, something in the narrative has to happen where um, there becomes a purpose for the montage. We'll talk a little bit about that um, later in the... Um, a little bit later in another segment but something has to come up where um there's a purpose for the montage uh depending on your game so like if you're playing like damn the man the procedure of the game actually tells you when to have the montage um if you're running something like fate the gm has to kind of know when something is not a a couple skill checks and would be better packaged into a challenge right so there's a little bit of um your game will determine this once you know that you're going to have a montage, right, then you line up the skills required. Now, in, depending again on your game, the GM may declare what skills are needed, like, hey, I need you to make this skill check, this skill check, this skill check. Um, or the GM may just declare, this is the objective. What are you contributing to this check? Yep. Right. And then like people might go, oh, uh, I could totally hack the locks on that. And somebody be, could be like, yeah, and I could like use, you know, my thievery to uh, to hotwire a car. Right. And like people can just contribute this the skills. So it goes it can go either way. Um, then a decision has got to be made on who's going to make each check. 
right? Sometimes in this step, sorry, Jerry, I'm just blowing through your lines really quick. Um, okay. Sometimes this, in this step, this the step, the players. All the way through. Yep. Yeah. Um, sometimes players will just uh, describe the actions um, for the montage. Um, I like that actually. So I like, like once we kind of get the mechanics in place, then I want to kind of hear what it looks like. I know that sounds weird here, what it looks like, but I think that totally, that phrase totally works for RPGs. Um, I want to hear what it looks like. Then you're going to make checks. Then outcomes are determined, right? The GM then kind of takes that collection of outcomes and figures out um, the overall outcome for the montage. Then often the GM will kind of narrate a little bit about the overall outcome. And then we drop out of montage and resume play. A lot of times, depending on what we're doing, um, when that montage ends, we might also uh, cut scene, right? Like if we're doing a whole bunch of prep for the heist, when we're done with the montage, like one, it might be a good place to just kind of cut scene, take a break, because when we come back, we're jumping right into this heist. There you go. All right. All right. So with an understanding of how they're used, Jerry, what mo- what do montages? Wow. Misdirected Mark, Pardon word me. scramble. Misdirected Mark, word scramble. What do montages do for us in our game? All right. Uh, they're going to create a number of different play experiences. First of all, the montage is going to be used to show when a lot of work is going into something without the need to play out all the work that's being done. You have accomplished something without having to show every little minutia detail, uh, which will slow the game to a crawl. Especially shortcuts keep the game focused on the more interesting action, like pulling off the heist, rather than all the work that goes into leading up to it. And in play, this is a tool the GM can use to transition from planning to execution. Yes. Sorry, I was answering the chat room. Um, So one of the experiences that the montage um, creates is it is both uh, movie and genre emulation, right? So um, the montage, when we play it out at the table, makes it feel like our game is a movie, which is actually a thing I love, right? Like, I don't know if all gamers like to think about that, but like, I love thinking about my games and even my GMing style. And I think my, you guys have played with me. I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, I will like talk about camera angles, right? Like I will talk about like camera, like, you know, as you guys are, like, I remember like we did the finale for, um, Tales from the Loop and like as the kids are walking across the field, the camera's going up, you know, giving us an overhead shot of the kids walking off into the distance. Like I think about my GMing and my narration like a movie. So I love when things um, enforce that. Right. So the montage definitely does that. Um, And then it's also genre enforcing. If you are in a genre where montages are frequent, right, like heists. Right. Heists, montages are in almost every heist. And so when you do one, when you're playing a heist, like that feels really uh, genre enforcing. Like I feel like I'm in a heist. Yeah. And that's going to end up giving you kind of what you want to feel because it keeps a good, does a good job of keeping the players engaged. Um, If we're going to play out a montage in real time, uh, Mm -hmm. the problem that each player taking a scene to do their prep work, the progress of the game is going to slow down. This would be some downtime for players not engaged in the prep scene at all. But by using a montage, all the players get involved in the action, and then the play moves more rapidly to the next scene while involving everybody at the same time. Yep. Absolutely. Right? Like, it just packs it packs in what could be pretty tedious into a nice bundle and gets mm-hmm. us. And then, you know, as we're fond of saying, getting to the monkey, right? Like, if we're talking about yeah. a heist, like, we really want the bulk of our game to be the heist. So let's yeah. have this montage of prep so that we can actually start the heist. Yep. 
Very good. All right. That is an overview of montages. When we get back in the next segment, we'll get back like as if we're going anywhere, although I might go get some more water. Um, in the next segment, we're going to talk more about how to get more out of montages and play. But first, we need to get uh, take a break, check in with the chat room, and Phil definitely needs more water. Um, as I and, my drink also. So. <laughs> and before we do that, Bob's going to tell us about another show on the network. Um, I will be, let's yeah. see, Jerry's going. Jerry yeah, goes. I'll, I'll stay for a second. No, you guys can go. I got this. All right, Bob's going to Bob's going to anchor. Yeah, take yeah, it so away, I, Bob. Uh, I would like to tell you about a little uh, a little show called the Gnome Cast. Okay, the Gnomecast is a podcast in which several gnomes from Gnomes do get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. Um, they have uh, oftentimes been getting uh, some guests to come on the show as well. Um, so it's a very entertaining, um, very entertaining little podcast with uh, with some good information. And <clears throat> we need. Uh, we need more exposure for the gnomes. The gnomes need to be exposed. Wait, that didn't come out right. You know what I mean. We'll just leave it at that. So, and Senda likes to go long during the gnomecast. <laughs> she learned that from Phil. Only during uh, the gnomecast? What's that? Only during the gnomecast? Yes, we were doing the gnomecast. I said only during the gnomecast. Well, I don't know. All right, so, uh, Avi asked, um, does the sprawl use montages when scoping the job, or was that just their GM? And now I'm trying to think back on playing the sprawl. Does the sprawl use montages or do we just, uh, did, 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 what do you think, Phil? Um, I'm trying to think if the sprawl has a flashback mechanism, which is a little different from montages, although yeah. that could be a future garage. Flashback might be a really fun one, mm -hmm. um, a really fun one to talk about. That is definitely a possibility. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to pin that ding, ding, pin that my friend. I am parched tonight. I don't know if the chicken nuggets and tater tots or whatever just... Did you salt the little, taters? I mean, a little. I was going to say maybe the salt uh, created a... Uh... <sighs> My problem is I realized after I started that I that I have a fizzy drink here and that's not where I'm supposed to drink when I'm watching doing podcasts. So. Oh, so you're like a senda. Like... So, I switched, so I switched off fizzy drink. So, <laughs> so Schmitty is saying um, yeah. the gear tokens kind of... Uh, lean into montage now, I, territory? I'm actually going to argue that the gear tokens are not a montage. The gear tokens, right? The gear tokens are actually a flashback mechanic. That is true. Right? So so the flashback, if, if we can think of flashbacks if we take a quick diversion because we are now going to totally do a future show on flashbacks. Um, if we look at Blades in the Dark, right? Flashbacks are a thing that you pay, um, if I remember correctly, right? You pay stress for. Right. The more improbable the flashback, yes. the more stress you pay um, in um, in the sprawl, your um, your gear tokens and intel tokens are a type of flashback mechanic where um, you get to spend them. You, you earn them during the prep phase mm -hmm. and there is a prep phase of a mission in the sprawl. You earn them during the prep phase. You you use and they're nondescript, right? They just say gear and they say intel, yep. and then you use them in the game and define them um, uh, in the current in the scene based on the current scene where you're like, oh yes, well, we totally got armor piercing rounds when we bought, you know, when we bought that those explosives, and that actually runs pretty close to another type of flashback mechanic, which is the preparation check in uh, Knights Black Agents. Yeah. Which yeah, um, also does something very similar. 
Yeah. So oh, I we're think totally the, now doing flashback. Yeah. So on the surface, I, I think the sprawl doesn't actually have a montage for the prep, but you could do montages in the prep very easily. Um, oh, one hundred percent. Right. You could totally. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. I sometimes will do them. So here's the thing. So sometimes I don't like initiate a montage like as a single skill check, but I will do a thing where I'll be like, okay, like especially with the sprawl, like, okay, we're getting ready to do this, you know, this job. Bob, what are you doing? Right. Mm-hmm. You would tell me, I'm like, cool, make this move. Jerry, what are you doing? Hitting your information network? Cool, make this move. And then mm-hmm. like go around the table. And then I would stop. And as the GM, I'd be like, okay. So we like, we see Bob like, you know, cutting a deal with the arms dealer. And cut over and we see, you know, Jerry talking to his contacts and we see, you know, Chris setting up, you know, his hack and like, you know, checking his gear and like, you know, and then kind of like, all right, cool. Are we ready to like move into the action phase? Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, and I've totally done it. And, and Avi said the same thing in the, in the chat room. I don't know of too many published adventures that have built in montages, but I use like, I use it as a narrative structure all the time because um, again, I'm prone to. Um, I'm prone to thinking of my uh, games like movies yeah. and montages yeah. are like that perfect thing where, Hey, none of this is really terribly exciting. It's yet still useful. And I want to get through it very quick. Yeah, super useful, super useful tool. Yeah. yeah super yeah. useful. Not always super fun. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's a, And that's what I think is the real power of the montage is that as a mechanic, it takes something that is super useful because all those checks and everything are helpful for the players because no player wants to just jump into a heist with no flashback mechanics or no prep. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> right. That's a holdup. That's yeah. not a, that's not a heist. That's like yeah. a stick up job. And those often go by the way of bloodbath. Yeah. Um, so no one wants to do that, but also like sitting around making um, prep checks and like, checking gear or buying a thing isn't always the most exciting use of like a couple hours. Yeah. Right. So it is neat when you can just pack it into this, um, this construct that's like, cool, we're going to do all these things, but then we're going to get to the exciting part, which is like, let's do a heist. Yeah. yeah. Blake Ryan uh, gave another example of a way you could use a montage. Um, you can start in media res and then use a montage later to let the people know how you got to, oh, in, absolutely. to the point where you yeah. jumped in. Aussie is a representant tonight. We got Avi and uh, and yeah. Blake in the chat room, like yeah. coming in strong tonight. Well, I'm sure they're uh, they're probably trying to to take a break from the heat because I'm sure it's not very cool out there. It's a, isn't it winter? Isn't it winter? No, there? it's winter. Uh, oh, I flipped the cotton or the the. You gotta, yeah, it's hot here. Yeah, I swear somebody on Twitter was just talking about somebody who was like, oh, it's even hotter over here, and I thought it was in that area. But, about uh, about a week ago, it was really hot in in England, I believe. Like hotter than it was here. That could be Andrew. And the problem Dacey. is that, and it, or, yeah. or it could be a, it could have been like you know, it's it's a place where they don't have AC all the time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anyhow, yeah. back to the thing. Let's return to okay. the topic and say, hey, Phil, how do we make the most out of montages in our games? Sure thing. Right. We're going to talk about leveraging in play, leveraging these mechanics in play. So putting aside games that have narrative montages like Love and Justice and Damn the Man, no offense to them, but um, those are uh, fixed, right? The procedures of the game fix when they're going to be used and exactly how they're going to be used. So we just set those aside. Mm-hmm. And training montages are going to fall in the same boat. They often have a spot in the game where it's appropriate to have training. And you want to talk about how they got there without taking too much time. 
Yeah, exactly. So let's let's drill in. Let's focus on skill prep um, because that kind of montage can be employ, employed at different times during a game. Uh, like mm. in many cases, um, the game will give you some indication of when it should be engaged. Um, you know, like most games will tell you if they have a montage mechanic, they'll kind of tell you when to kick it into play. Um, but a good hint is if the players are all preparing for something, and even more so if they're all telling you they're doing different things, right? If all of a sudden you have a group of players sitting around a table and they're like, oh, I could look this up. And somebody's like, oh, I'll check with my contacts and I'll do this. Like you're probably on the verge of a montage. Mm-hmm. Um, so the players will discuss what they should do, um, which typically has players coming up with things that their characters need to do, right? So like you've, um, you've, you've had some sort of planning discussion and... Um, you know, whether this is an investigation or whether this is a heist, you've had some sort of like planning discussion where everybody gets together and they're like, this is the problem. How do we, how do we tackle this? And then all of a sudden, like everybody starts coming up with ideas and typically they're ideas that kind of run off in different directions because each player's got a specialty, right? Your hacker is going to be like, I'm going to do a deep dive in the internet. And your investigator is like, I'm going to go look over the case evidence. And your people person is like, I'm going to go talk to some people. And now you can see like, I got a whole bunch of these disparate activities that are all driving us towards a single goal, this is a good place to drop in our montage. Yep. So let's talk about a couple other tips to get the most out of your skill and prep montages. Yeah. Um, First things first, keep the narration light. Um, It's a montage. If you look at movies, like they're quick cuts, right? Like they're just little quick vignettes of what each character is doing um, just to make a point of what they're doing. So when you do this, keep your narration light and fast. You want to just kind of hit on each character, what they're doing uh, really quick, and um, and then move to the next character. Mm-hmm. Like one or two sentences, and then move on. Yep. You want to encourage the players to find ways to use their best skills in the montage. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to... Yeah. Don't take your, like, minus one skill. Like, take, like use your plus four skills for this. Um, uh, as, as, well, or, or five, sometimes players are going to find ways to use their least used skills just to use them. I mean, if they want to, right? Yeah. Like, But you should always, like, a montage should always... Um, I, I always think montages are um, kind of like the rogues phase. Yep. In, I was just thinking the right? same thing. They yeah. should be showing off the coolness of your characters, right? So... Um, I, I like I like them to kind of like lead lead with your best skills for that. Okay, have everyone like once you've set out who's going to do what, have okay. everyone roll their results and then just go around the table and collect all the results. Yep, and don't overuse the montage. Uh, one to two sessions, one to two montages per session is about right. If the players are trying to drop into a montage every fifteen minutes, it's being used. It's it, it's it's might be might be overused. Yeah, I mean if you think of like a heist movie, like. There's rarely more than one to two montages. Now, um, I would argue, do, sorry, uh, I would yeah, argue ahead. that like one here and there, like if you're having a, 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 a con session of action movie world and you want to montage the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's that's genre uh, appropriate yeah. for action movie world. It's a little zany, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it could definitely be done. But Depending like in a regular game, like I really it. one to two, I think is a pretty, yeah. uh, pretty good number for two yeah. would even be kind of remarkable in a, in a four hour session. Yeah. One, I mean, yeah, I mean, crazy, more bonkers things have happened. Yeah. All right. I've, I've, I've had player groups that, that just because they enjoy it, try to turn every encounter into a heist if they can, sure. and which is fine. <laughs> they enjoy it. I enjoy it. But 
with those, you might have more than one montage per session. Um, so I could see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is um, don't, don't mix montages with other scenes. Like don't do a montage in the middle of a combat scene. Like combat scenes, a combat scene. Like, you know, if um, the time in a montage is fluid, right? What we know in a montage is like, everybody's doing their thing and we don't really care how long each person's piece took, right? Like everybody did their thing. And when the montage is over, everybody is time synced to that point. But if you, if you mix it or try to drop a montage into a combat scene, a combat scene has a rigid time structure, right? In most cases. And so you get into this like really messy thing where you have this like fluid montage coming up against this like uh, more rigid time scale. It's, it's not going to work. You could have a, you can have a montage leading to a combat scene. You might even have a montage going out of a, combat scene like hey you guys got your ass kicked let's do a montage of how you guys run away mm-hmm. right like that would be fine or let's do a skill check to run like to get out of the layer before it collapses in on you that's fine yep. but just like don't mix like don't put one in the other right don't put your american cheese in your peanut butter mm. see thank you okay yeah. jer <laughs> and lastly um if a character has no useful skills for montage let them narrate one or two sentences of what they're doing instead uh, possibly related to one of their hooks or character backgrounds. So everybody else is busy prepping, and meanwhile, you know, the characters in the background writing their secret love letter to Baron Von Badass that nobody else knows about. Um, or, you know, everybody else is building the new gadget, and they're going to spend time uh, fixing that new fresher attachment in the in the whatever. But just you know, one or two sentences describing something else, so they get to do something during the montage. And that's a very that's also very movie like. If you think about a lot of montages in movies, you sometimes have the odd man out who's doing something else that they just stick in there but it's brief and one or two sentences and that's it go ahead bill you said i don't know i just want to build on that that's a really good point so if somebody doesn't have um a useful skill if the game has an assist mechanic then buddy them up with Mm -hmm. another character right because if they they're like oh well i don't have auto mechanic but i can assist on that yep then those two people are in the scene working together Mm -hmm. So that's going to depend on your game, right? That's going to depend on if your game has uh, an assist mechanic and, you know, if you have an assist, like a skill that's worthy to assist that kind of thing. Cool. All right. Some good tips there. Jerry, uh, are we going to run into any problems or challenges with montages? Of course we will, as always. That's how games work. But for the most part, they're pretty reliable mechanics. Uh, There are a few challenges and issues when using them. Um, And here's a couple things you want to look out for. Bill? Yeah, when a montage doesn't include a significant part of the group, um, that's a problem. Um, if if one or two people, like Jerry said, like if one or two people out of like a group of five or whatever can't participate in the montage and can't like you can't even figure out how to work them in, like, you know, then maybe don't do a montage. Maybe you just need to do a couple skill checks. Um, a montage is really supposed to be an ensemble activity. Um, Number two. Yeah, I would say uh, set the duration for the montage and just say that everybody, everybody's busy till it's done. Um, the total montage is going to take X amount of time and everybody does their work at X amount of time regardless of how long it would actually take. Um, and be careful to avoid people trying to double dip, saying their work takes less time and they want to go off and do something else. The idea is that for the montage time, everybody's doing this one set of tasks and it all takes the same amount of time regardless of how much time it would actually take. Yeah, that's like don't 
<laughs> don't overthink the montage or don't let players overthink the montage. Yeah. Uh, the last one, which we talked about before, right, is uh, overusing montages. Um, we mentioned it above. A montage is a trope. You don't want to overuse it. Um, it seems to be good around one to two in a session. Um, your mileage may vary. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, that's where I kind of fall one to two on a, on a, on a, on a game. Jerry, you got yep. one more. I see. You I, got one I, see more. I see you quickly trying to get some notes in there. Yep. I got it in there, which is basically, and this is common is um, be careful of the comedic montage. I mean, montages are often used in a lot of uh, movies and scenes as kind of a comedy outtake, you know, the, the shopping montage that ends up being like mannequin or something on that line. <laughs> those, those can be great. And if the game and the players are all having a good time with it, keep it the tone and go for it. But if it's out of place, if you're doing a, a Call of Cthulhu game or a really serious hard line, um, something like the sprawl or what I would imagine forbidden lands is like, um, try to avoid the comedic montage. Yeah. It's, it's very easy for players to fall into that. And we've had, uh, I've had montages where, the game is going serious and all of a sudden somebody decides to do a goofy trying on hats montage and it throws the whole tone off. So just or, be aware the Scooby, of that. or the Scooby-Doo running around looking for exactly. the monster yeah. montage. Yeah. yeah, it's back over the postcard stand. Exactly. Yeah. If, um, if, if, by the way, you're playing Toon and you want to run across a hallway, open one door and have the monster come out the other side or whatever, like, again, like you said, keep it to tone. Yeah. That would be 100% correct. And, and many games will fall in between this. There are many games where they're a very serious game most of the time, but maybe there's a, a background forbidden meet cute romance going on. And so the comedic montage fits that same tone. But just be, be aware of it and make sure that everybody understands what the tone is. Um, otherwise, a montage can throw the entire feel of the game off. You're trying to prepare for the big serious ending and there's a lot of stakes and there's a, and there's a lot of things at stake. And then all of a sudden somebody decides to do, you know, let's try on 15 different feather boas. That can throw the whole thing off, yeah. unless that fits into how they're going to sneak in. Um, I love, I actually love those comedic montages, as if you guys couldn't figure that out already. Um, but uh, I do understand that there's a time and a place for them. So, yeah. all right, cool. Bob? Blake's got a really good question. Is there is there a presumption that doing a montage means you succeed, so people may use it, try and use it to avoid failure? Oh. So. Um... You know, if you're if you're sticking with the mechanics, I, I mean, I think I so in movies, absolutely right. In movies, this is um, uh, prep is always competency, right? Um, but that doesn't always have to be true. And so, like you know, this is a case where I think that RPGs diverge from movies. Is that you know we have a randomizer to determine what happens. So yeah, you could do a montage and somebody could fail something. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, you could totally do a montage and um, all of a sudden, like the um, uh, you fail to uh, you fail to create the explosive that's going to open the safe door. Right now, if you're playing fate, um, you took that failure and you accepted a cost like, um, oh, it's going to work, but it's only going to partially get the door off. You'll have to muscle your way through it or something. Um, we literally had that happen in, in this week's game. We did our training, we did our, our setup montage, and when making gear, we had a, a, a match, a, a tying success, which meant there was a complication that we made two anti werewolf bullets, but only one of them was actually good at doing it, the other we didn't. That's exactly what happened. Yes. Uh, which, by the way, was, was a great was a great call. So, 
Yeah, that actually that one worked out uh, really well, actually. Um, it was just, you know, honestly, it was one of those um, uh, quick moments of inspiration of, arbit you know, arbitrating the rules in play. And I'll also say the other thing is that um, to follow up on Blake's concept, if you find players use that to avoid failure, like they do a montage specifically because they want to make sure they don't fail. That tells you something about where your players are going with the story or the adventure and how you might want to want to frame it. You don't want to make it automatically succeed, but it means that they're really pushing hard for that success as opposed to a complication. And just to be aware of that, whenever your players start leaning heavily into this is the only way we're going to succeed, it tells you something about the tone of the game and it, uh, you can work on that. So it's a good point. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we wrap this thing up, are there any hacks or wishes that you might have for montages in games? Yeah, if your game does not have a montage mechanic, um, they're pretty easy to add to your game. Mm -hmm. You can add a narrative montage that can be added um, as a GM framing a single scene with a structure and then just ask the players for input. Yeah, absolutely. Like, totally works. Um, you can do a skill prep montage by totally ripping off the 4E um, skill challenge. Mm -hmm. Like, just rip that off. It's so easy. Like, um, everybody picks a skill, everybody rolls, you set like a threshold of how many successes to how many failures. And you can like, you can say like, okay, we're going to do three turns of rolls and you guys need eight successes uh, before you rack up five failures, something mm -hmm. like that. Yep. Um, super easy mechanic. Like, go look it up. Like, it, it's on the internet because the actual write-up for it in the game sucked. So the internet went to do a, like, the internet did a lot of work to better yeah. explain that mechanic. Um, but totally steal that for your game. Like, if yeah. I, I could easily use it in Forbidden Lands. Um, I could, like, I could name a dozen different places, games where you could just slap that mechanic in. It would totally work. Yeah. So do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, wish list stuff. Um, I'll just jump in really quick. Um, I love uh, prep skill montages. Like I would stick them in every game possible, right? That that would be my wish list part, right? I would stick them in every game um, because I just love the idea of, of a group all working together to get something done. But I think what might be a fun wish list hack kind of thing is a mechanic where you narrate the montage and maybe you write it all down, like. Um, Bob prepared the explosives, uh, Jerry um, got the codes to the alarm or whatever, but mm -hmm. you don't roll the outcome until it comes up in the game. Yeah. Right. So like, you just don't know until that moment. That like, it's a good tension element. Yeah. Yep. Like, I think Bob, do you remember we did this once in a game? I think it was a superhero game and I just don't remember what it was. Somebody prepare. Somebody did a skill check, and I want to say it was. Oh, it was a corporation game, and I think it was Mike, and it was a demolition roll. Yep. And he rolled it, and I made him roll it under a cup. Yep. And I was like, "We'll follow," oh, because he was preparing the explosives to breach the door, and I made him roll it but put a cup over it, and I was like, "We'll take the cup away when the explosives detonate, and we'll find out how your skill roll yep. is." This way, there was like. No, um, oh, I failed the skill check. We, you know, and kind of telegraphing, setting up at the door. It was like simply like, well, we all line up at the door. I triggered the explosive and then he lifted up the cup and was like, whew, and yeah. it worked. Yep. I want to yeah. say you did something very similar in uh, in our masks. Uh, yeah. Did, did I? Masks game. Mm hmm. That seems like, I mean, that's yeah. nonsense I like to do. Like, that's yeah. not in any rules or anything, but sometimes 
Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes those are just cool tension builders. Like, yeah. um, have a player roll in a cup and just like roll and slam the cup on the table, mm-hmm. and then no one knows until you reveal it. It's yep. cool. That's a uh, Schrodinger's roll. Yep. yep. <laughs> what about you, Jerry? Got any wish lists on there? Uh, well, I've pretty much imported heist mechanics and non-tech mechanics into every game I run, even if they don't have them. I, if the players want to do something, we, I like flashbacks, I like heists, I like montages. Um, I like to to get them in there. Um, they're also a nice way to do um, downtime without doing downtime, because it gives the players a chance to to talk about what their characters do outside of the mission itself while prepping for the mission. Um, and I could see them use this role playing hooks. It's a good place for a throwback or character reinforcement. Uh, montages are where I often see the recurring joke or recurring scene show up, like said to say, knocking over the postcard stand and then apologizing, picking it back up again. Um, anytime that that comes up, it, it works out well. Um, and if the game mode is appropriate, this is a good place for a slightly silly scene. You know, somebody to, to, to do something. Uh, if their character is a bit of a jokester or has that sort of personality, it's a good place to toss that in and let them do their thing so that they get to be mildly funny without interrupting the mood of the rest of the game um this is a good place for for the asides and so on the important thing is to keep it short keep it to one or two sentences per player and make sure that everybody gets a chance to do their thing and see how it results um and uh that's pretty much our garage segment on montages yeah we hope the next time your crew needs to prep for a job that this advice will be of some assistance let's check in with the chat room one more time before we head on over to the conversation corner by the way, that ending is actually a montage. Always has been cotton. <laughs> yeah, uh, Avi has uh, Avi has done the thing with rolling and, and keeping it under a cup until the appropriate moment, which uh, oh, I, so I really good. like that as a as a as a tool. And I'm wondering now if there might be a show about things like that gathering tension up- builders. The, the the rolling under a cup or the put the big die on the table and, and rotate the, the number countdown. down, the countdown. Yep. The, like, yes, people use clocks all the time, but the actual physical use of the big die as a as yep. a an extra, you know. So the Jenga tower, put the big die, the covered die roll. Um, I don't it's know if mistake. we can get a whole episode, but if you want to put it on the list as tension builder. Yeah. Like tension builders yep. and then an put in parentheses thought. a couple of the items. I, like it is a there's a good chance we might um uh what's call it it might trigger something for a future for a future show but i get what, i get what you're going at because yeah. i i've totally done it right countdown timers and things like that as as ways to build tension mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah that's yeah, cool. uh that's an interesting thought that i had so um it's an interesting thought Phil, did you at one point have a, a, a thought of using some kind of a tube of water in H2O as a tension builder? Something I, I, physical I, water? I didn't. Um, I didn't. But the thing I will tell you is that um, as a genre thing, um, people who play Hydra Hackers um, during the course of the game will get very thirsty. Like I've the seen constant, it. The constant talking about water. Yep. Like Every time you take a break, people will be like, oh, man, I'm going to go fill up my water bottle. <clears throat> so psychosomatic um, uh <laughs> i i didn't have a, a tube of water i had um man we had a lot of different mechanics when i was working on the on the big hydro hack thing that had like mm-hmm. um things in bags and glass tokens on um or cards in a in a uh, tableau like there were a lot of different things before um 
I got to what I think the final solution is, is like a series of, of roles. Like it's a series of moves. Yeah. Um, there is like a whole card game in there, though, that we can make one day yeah. out of the other pieces <clears throat> that we have. I love that one. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. A little froggy today. <clears throat> it's that reflux. Ah. All right. So let's do the thing where we'll bounce on over to the conversation corner here. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I um, eventually jumped on board. Uh, everything with me is you know, there's there's timing and planning involved. Um, if somebody's like, "Oh my god, you have to watch this show on Netflix," I, I can't just drop everything I'm doing and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna watch." That's why it took me forever to get to Shira, yeah. and and I had to give I had to give send to that warning. The more you harp on something, the more childlike and angry i get and i will dig in my heels and go nope i'm not gonna do it just to spite you now <laughs> yep. so if you really want me to do something mention it get the bug in my ear and then let it go and eventually i'll get to it yeah so eventually i got to master the universe and i did not realize that it was only five episodes <laughs> i'm like do 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 to do i'm like oh episode five all right oh shit it's over yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cliffhanger ending. Okay, then. Well, um, to all of the whiny people that cried about it, um, grow up, get over yourselves. It's yep. <laughs> it's a perfectly good cartoon um, that draws on, on some uh, of the childhood things that some people grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. It's an interesting story. It's a well-written show. Um, yes. It may not be what you wanted or expected. But it's still a well put together show that tells an interesting story with interesting characters, um, and it goes some places that you don't expect, uh, and, and there's a couple of surprises. Yeah, um, that get some some yeah. very good recharacterizations also. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, good stuff. I enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, um, working my way through Discovery, um, I'm deep into season two now. Um, and enjoying Phil's responses, he hits me up on Slack. He's like, "Did that just happen? No way! They just went there." You know, <laughs> he's throwing down comments, and I'm like, "Yeah, all right." It just keeps getting better and better. So, good stuff. Um, because I burned through obviously Masters of the Universe and the other short form stuff that I was watching. My new current short form lunch program is The Dragon Prince which is another one that people touted very highly when it first came out. And I didn't really know very much about it, never really looked into it, had no idea what I was up against, sat down to watch the first episode and went, oh, interesting, very interesting. Did not expect what I was getting and very pleasantly surprised. I really, really, really dig the design of the elves for this show. Like this is this is like a a completely different take on elves, in my opinion, from what you normally get when you get standard elves from everywhere else. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing where that's going to go. Um, entertaining stuff. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, continuing, Jerry and I continue to to beat the hell out of Valheim um, because of the nature of the game. Um, it's a, uh, the, the overarching metagame for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, um, is that you go into this, you go into Valheim and, and it's like, you have to, to, to prep yourself to take on the big bads. 
And, and when you defeat the boss monster, you move on to the next one. And there's only five boss monsters, and then the game is over, quote-unquote, because they don't have the content yet. Um, but we've been using everything else about the game to keep the game going because Jerry and I very much enjoy the building and the crafting and the, and the, and the exploration Exploration. part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. so because of that, I started knowing that we're one boss monster away from being done. I started going into, um, the mod category, the mod catalog looking for mods to enhance the things about the game that Jerry and I really enjoy. So mm-hmm. I started fiddling with some of the building mods and, 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 and things that enhance crafting and let you craft different things and the food mods and stuff like that. So um, we just loaded up a bunch of those uh, the other night and uh, it just es- it took our, our, everything to another level. Um, mm-hmm. Visually um, we can make cooler looking stuff and, and, and different things like that. So, um, that's going to sustain us for quite a bit um, before we get to the next boss monster and beyond before they, uh, before they put out new content that, uh, that will uh, take us to another, to another stage. And then, of course, moving prep. I mentioned it at the top of the show. Things are starting to, uh, to, to ramp up. Um, a lot of stuff is going to be going on. Um, so it's going to be... Uh, wild, wacky fun, as mm-hmm. some people say. Um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting month of August. Uh, why I always got to have interesting months in August? I don't know. Someday, maybe in an after show somewhere, I'll tell you about August nineteen ninety six. Um, but yeah, August seems to be one of those months that uh, a lot of the interesting stuff happens, and it's always hot. It doesn't need to be so hot. <laughs> Sadly, that's what August is all about. Yeah, that's what August is all about, at least around here. Yes. All right, Jerry, what about you? Well, um, for my birthday, my wife got me some um, off-brand Lego building sets that I've been having fun building and assembling. Um, There's a company, there's two companies called Nutman and and, uh, MyBuild that make um, minifigure scale little battle mech things. I don't know if you guys can, they're about, they're, they're this size, they hold an actual person in them and i've actually used them in some of the games i have there's they've got more of them and they're kind of themed and they're a lot of fun but this year they put out a couple sets that had um support vehicles and all that so i've just been digging back into that and i really haven't built a big lego set in a while so i've been puttering around with these and doing modifications and that really gave me something to kind of unwind with at the end of the night um catch up cut catching up with voyager again which has been a lot of fun looking forward to the uh finale um bad bats just continues to <clears throat> be oh, an amazing yeah. Star Wars series and is, I mean, it is, it is much, much like the Mandalorian is Star Wars, the role-playing game on screen. I mean, it's, if you don't know what the Bad Batch is about by now, it's uh, five and a half uh, specialists. You've got the leader slash tracker hand-to-hand guy. You've got the super tech genius. You have the cyborg hacker. You have the big not too bright, super strong um, gunner, and then you've got the the young uh, female clone who has got some other abilities. And uh, tack on to that, they're they're good friend and con- and contact their sympathetic NPC, um, Sid, who is a rather interesting take on the Trandoshids. If you're familiar with Star Wars, you know Bosk. This is one of Bosk's race, the big lizard. 
and it's voiced by Rhea Perlman and it's absolutely amazing and she's a great character. And so it's they get missions, they go out on missions, they do their missions, and each mission adds a little bit more to the big overarching story that they're involved in. Um, and this week ended on a cliffhanger, which is a lot of fun. So it's just it's been a lot of it's it's yep. if if you enjoyed the Clone Wars, if you enjoyed Rebels, if you like Star Wars in general, the Bad Batch is a lot of fun. Um, uh, also watched uh, this week's episode of Rick and Morty, and they continue to get. Uh, this was less weird than the last couple. This was about um, uh, basically Voltron, Rick and Morty's version of Voltron, um, and it's a lot of fun and kind of sets the stage for some other weirdness uh, to go. But it's it's been a lot of fun. This was. This was probably the most normal of all the Rick and Morty episodes this season. Um, it says a lot. It's been, and uh, and then they also dropped another Rick and Morty short. They did those little, like the samurai one they did last year. And um, that came out this week also. It's a lot of fun. And last, lastly, Valheim. Valheim's been a lot of fun. Um, part of what happens in Valheim is that early on in the game, you're just scrambling to build shelters however you can with whatever resources you've got. And as you go into new biomes, you get access to more stuff. And so we'll go back to old uh, shelters that we built. And wow, we did a really bad job on this. And this was just left together. And one of the things Bob and I do as we're exploring is we'll go back and rebuild them. Well, we decided that we had some downtime. And before Bob downloaded all the new advances, we went back to one of our two main bases. And I jokingly said, you know, Swamp Castle has kind of been where our anchor has been. But it's kind of shoddy. There's a lot of stuff we should do. I'm thinking I might want to go back and rebuild the one corner tower that we that we use as our sleeping quarters and make it a little bit nicer. And Bob's like, we can also like even out the walls so it's actually square instead of just kind of being haphazard. And that'd be kind of nice. And literally like eight hours later, we almost demolished the place and rebuilt it from from the ground up. We've done this <laughs> several times now. It looks and, completely um, different. <clears throat> it's completely different. Poor Chris is going to come back on and not know where we put anything. Um, it'll be easier now because we put up signs. But it's, just, it's been fun because we've, we come up with an idea. One, or, one of the three of us will come up with an idea. And then we start doing it. Like, hey, it would be nice to build a dock. And the initial concept is we'll put down some planks here on the water. And four days later, there's a six-story stone tower with a completely enclosed boathouse and a covered trail leading into the forest. And a foundry and a smeltery and everything, you know. It's, it's, you know um, yeah. And uh, I'm a completionist, and Bob is all about symmetry. So some things will happen, like with our planes base. I built a um, was a base we built in the first big base we built in what is now the most dangerous biome. We built just kind of a big block, a big blocky building, and I wanted to experiment with stairs, so I built a corner tower on one side, and it worked out very well. But now, of course, that meant that Bob had to put three more towers on, so it was all symmetrical, and that led to two days of us just having a good time building stuff. So this is part of the fun of why we keep going back to Valheim, is because it's a very um, community-oriented game. One person does something that leads to everybody else getting involved in some neat projects. Um, uh, unfortunately, we can't montage that. <laughs> yeah. but, we do, but we do have a good time. And every time Bob finds a new mod, it suddenly adds... I'm not kidding, like five or six days worth of play into the game because we just go back and start, gee, this thing we always wanted to try, now we can do at this oddball situation way out in the middle of the, the, yep. the wilderness. We have fun. So, Bill, what about you? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, watching more Discovery. Finished season one, started season two. 
Um, I kind of like how season one is its own story and then ends. Um, it had some good twists. It definitely had a thing I did not see coming uh-huh. in the end. And I was like, oh, man. Um, so I was really good. I, I just like Discovery. Like the man babies who whine about um, Discovery on the, you know, in the in the dark basements of Star Trek fandom can just bite it. Discovery's fantastic. <clears throat> um, it's everything. I, I actually believe it is. Um, it's what Roddenberry would have wanted. It is progressive. Um, it is good. The stories are good. The sci-fi is good. Um, all of those things. Uh, again, we're wrapping up Voyager, uh, which is interesting for me because for 22 weeks, I've been prepping show lists and writing up summaries and all that stuff. And, um, much like the ending of TNG, all good things, right, have to come to an end. So um, I get a chunk of my Sunday back um, and my evenings back, um, although I'm going to dedicate some of that evening time to watching She-Ra, as I promised Senda that I would uh, watch She-Ra, which is not a huge promise. It's not like I'm yeah. like, oh, boy, yeah. I got to watch She-Ra. Like, yeah, it's not a heavy totally, lift. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah I'm totally excited to watch She-Ra, um, but I, I couldn't get into another show while we were finishing a Voyager. Um, I downloaded and got my copy of Orbital Blues. Uh, started reading that. That's um, that's looking pretty cool. That looks like a pretty nice light game. It's got a really interesting um, artistic direction to it. Um, the book the book itself, I can't wait to actually get a physical copy. God, I hope I back the physical copy because um, the PDF just looks fantastic. I, I'm really curious to see it in full glossy. Uh, I started reading, um, again, you get Senda to cheer in the chat room, started reading uh, one of Senda's new favorite books, Gideon the Ninth. Um, that is, uh, that's good so far. I just started it. Um, I've been having a lot of trouble reading post-pandemic and post-alpha pandemic, like not before, like pre-Delta. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get back into reading on a regular basis. So um, Senda bought me Gideon the Ninth while we were in while I was in uh, Denver and I've, I've um, started, I cracked, I cracked the cover and started reading it. Uh, we played I Hunt. We talked about that already. Uh, spun up a new Minecraft world. It's probably the first time I played Minecraft since before I moved. Um, but I spun up um, our, our, the last mod pack, the one that we've never used, uh, the 116 mod pack. And um, noticed that we had a different world renderer uh, in it. So instead of doing the classic biomes of plenty, which, you know, we've played um, a whole bunch of um, uh, we've played a whole bunch of biomes of plenty before. Um, there's another world renderer in there, like called Tetraforge, or I forget what it's its exact. Terraforge, I think, is what it's called. Okay. I, I can't remember. But anyway, um, man, did it make some seriously interesting ass terrain? Like uh, Andy spun up a instance. Um, a standalone instance as well. And just like the terrain came out really different. Like it's a really different look from, um, from the traditional biomes of plenty. So um, I'm going to play that for a while. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but you guys are, you know, you guys are off doing your thing. So um, if other people want to, you know, get, you know, get a server back, it's fine. If not, I'm just going to kind of crank through that mod pack. Um, there's a whole bunch of mechanism in it that is um there's a whole bunch of mechanism in it that's beyond even the stuff that we've done like i did before so um i wouldn't mind taking mechanism to um whatever ridiculous end uh Hmm. it goes to it has some sort of cosmic like like cosmic soul crushing reactor or something it's 
whatever it is, it's absolutely bonkers. Like it produces <clears throat> antimatter explosions and things like that. It's got some really cool. I've seen a uh, mod preview on it, so cool. I'll probably do that for a while. Um, but I had been so busy with the move and everything else, like I hadn't I hadn't played Minecraft in like two and a half months or something. I just sat down the other night, fired up an instance. I didn't even build a house or anything yet. I just like kept stuffing things in a hut in a village um, as I was looking for a house. And then I found um, some pretty cool structures that I think I'm gonna them in a rehab, including like a um, rundown castle. I got a new couch coming Friday. The Ooh, couch yeah. I bought uh, on Memorial Day is finally here. Um, it's getting delivered sometime on Fridays. I'm pretty psyched about that. I can't wait to move. I can't wait to get rid of camping chairs, the camping chairs that currently occupy my living room. Um, I'm super psyched about that. So um, I'm looking forward to getting rid of those uh, and actually having like a uh, couch that also um, that also does the thing where um, it's my last big piece of furniture. So I can then start figuring out what I want to hang on walls. Because I'll kind of know what walls I have free and what like spaces I have. Um, so I want to do some decorating and stuff because I have some decorations. I need some some things I have that can go right up. Some things I have that need frames. And then there's just like a whole bunch of shit I want to buy, hmm. um, which will be a slower process. But I, um, I, I like need to start decorating. That's kind of where I am now is like I have furniture. I have function. But I don't exactly have... Um, aesthetics yet so um and there's a few pieces of furniture i was hunting around for a chair from my uh corner of my bedroom today but it was too big and whatever anyway um and then other than that like i'm kind of in this weird drift right now um it's way more than i'm gonna unpack here on the show and um it's it's just in time for therapy but like i had a whole bunch of things i was kind of gearing up for this year like big life changing things and big projects and stuff like that and they're all done like it's august and everything's done and um i don't know what to do next right like i'm kind of in flux with the games that we're playing i'm unsure what i want to do on my weeknights um which is why i haven't committed to a thursday game um i don't know i mean there's things i've i've been doing forever just because um like that's how my old life worked. Like I run games on Sunday nights, but like, mm -hmm. do I have to run games on Sunday nights? I don't like do whatever I want now. Like, um, I don't think I know yet. Um, so I'm kind of glad I have therapy coming up because, um, I don't really know what to do. And I, you know, part of it is like taking stock of like, do the things I'm currently doing or obligated to doing bring me joy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's fair. And if they don't, why am I doing it? Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. Like I, like, I need to kind of take stock. I need some direction. Like, I did a lot of prep work to get to here and didn't do anything to figure out what to do once I got here. Um, so I'm still kind of working through. I'm, I'm definitely working through it. So I'm taking that right to therapy. Uh, take that right to therapy tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. Um, it won't solve it all in one therapy session, but. It'll be a good topic. It'll be a good topic for discussion. Yep. Anyway, that's me. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that will bring us around to the Patreon shoutouts as we start to close down this bugger. Thank you so much to the old school DM, who was also a contest winner. 
Thanks to our very own Sean Merwin, Troy Sandlin, Chris Constantine, Cindy Moore, Eric Simon, Mirko Frolik, Andrew Demps, Brandon Barnes, and Brantley Harris. And thanks to everybody for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. at <clears throat> Queen's Time, come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with other listeners in the ever-awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. And if you cannot make it to a live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcast. You can go to some of the other shows in the Restricted Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastery Dungeons, Bone Storm Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panis Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, John Who Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of Cheese of Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. Before you uh, before you tackle that big job as you're in the middle of doing your montage uh set aside somebody to uh type us out a quick letter and leave us some feedback um you can reach us directly via email mmp at misdirectedmark.com hit us up on twitter the show and the network is at misdirected mark he's robert m everson he's gm gerrymander and i am dna phil if you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle, and Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash Bonus Experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.